Well, good morning again, everyone joining us uh, this Sunday morning uh, for a little session of uh, worship and studying the Word of God. I hope that you are prepared for some changes that the government is, is offering. And I know a lot of our saints are so anxious to get back to church. Oh, that, I'm just sarcastic. Um, I know some saints are anxious to get back to church, and I hope you are, um, because I mentioned some time ago that you can become complacent sitting home and just clicking a button on and watch the service. <clears throat> but that will not do what attending church is. If attending church, a literal church, was not important, Paul would not be writing to the Hebrews and says, forsake not the assembling of yourself together as the manner of some is. And God would not have made it a necessity for his people to be in the temple. We have a pattern. We can either follow the trend of the world and sit down and watch TV ministries all the time, or we can start making an effort to come back into church. The government has lift the restrictions and we're allowed in our church we are allowed um, one third of the capacity seating capacity of our church which means we are allowed 50 people um, they must all carry a mask with them and if 50 people show up they must keep a mask maybe during the entire service we're not going to run long services until things get back to total a normal condition um, for the time we'll sanitize the place and we I think we should allow to, for starters about 20 25 people to come starting with those that live closer to the church and uh, I hope that this pandemic thing that existed for this period of time has not driven you further away from God but has placed a yearning in your heart uh, to seek after God desperately. I just hope. And um, I pray that you would give heed to this. And so we will have services streaming until things get back to normal. And so Saturday morning, 10 o'clock. Sunday morning, 10 o'clock. And on Wednesday, I think we do a 6.30. Uh, 6.30 p.m. So those that care to come or I feel everyone should make an effort some or the other at the same time if you have a fever stay home if you have a cough stay home um, if you're a senior up in age and you've got a mobility problem I would suggest you stay home until things get back to normal we won't avoid bringing babies and small kids into into the sanctuary because it will create a further problem at this point in time i'm glad that you're joining me if you are joining me on the uh, internet and may god bless us during this time of worship <clears throat> it's a beautiful song of challenge and and um, exhortation and hope and anticipation a day when we see the lord and the scripture does tell us that when we see him like he is, we shall become like him. Today, um, already 10 minutes into our time, 
And we have, after the service is finished, we have Brother Richard in the Elmont Assembly that he would start up at 11 o'clock, and we'd like to follow that also. And then immediately after that, Brother Sam has his virtual class with his, uh, with the young people, some of the young people. I think today's a special day that we'd have uh, uh, those young people 13 years and older because he would have some issues he'd like to discuss with them that are not really necessary for the younger ones. Just young men, just young men he's having today. All right, so right now I'm thinking of a scripture in Peter, in the epistle of Peter, second epistle, and chapter one. And a beautiful area of the word of God that uh, we appreciate much. And Peter writes, he says here in verse three, First of all, in verse 2, he says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Now, just a little bit, uh, just a little hint here in passing. You will find that in most of Paul's epistles and most of the other epistles that are written, you'll find that there is an introduction. And you would think that the apostles like today's language would use a term like this grace be unto you and peace from god the father and the son and of the holy ghost amen but they never use such terminologies as a matter of fact in all of these epistles the introduction is always describing two entities distinct and separate from each other even though they're one in spirit and that is why Jesus, when he prayed that the Father may make his disciples one, he was not talking about 12 disciples becoming one entity, but he was speaking one in purpose and one in hope and one in spirit. And so just a passing note, note that Peter is writing just like Paul, addressing two entity in the uh, Godhead. And then he goes on here and he says, according to his divine power, God's divine power hath he given unto us all things. Someone says, well, you know, I'm ill-equipped. I have a struggle living for God. But Peter says, God has given us all things, all things. Uh, all things to what? That pertain to life and godliness. Uh, he says, if you want to enjoy a good spiritual life and enjoy godliness or develop godliness in your character, <clears throat> he says uh, what you have to do is find out what God has given us. He has given us a ministry. He has given us his word. He has given us um, uh, the spirit of God. He has given us a church. And that is why I'm emphasizing the importance of church attendance as we are passing through today. Church attendance, physical church attendance is important. There was no one. The church is symbolic. Um, Noah's Ark in the Old Testament is, is symbolic to the church. Well, you can build your own little boat. It would have sunk. If you had your own little ark while Noah is building his ark, you're busy building your own ark, it will sink. God has a way. And he works with his principles. And when he ascended on high, when Jesus ascended on high, he gave gifts unto men. And he gives the apostles and the prophets 
and the pastors and the teachers and evangelists for the perfecting of the saints. And in no way God meant long-distance pastoring. I cannot pastor a church long-distance. It's impossible. A shepherd must be associated with the sheep. And the sheep can take off so far that they lose the communication with the shepherd in order to be perfected. So I'm saying church attendance is important. It's a part of what God has given us, given to us, that a, a church that we can attend to. If you're not attending a church, then you've got to pray and ask God to help you to attend one. Uh, find a body church and attend, not some cold little uh, non-Pentecostal church somewhere. And so we have the church here in Mississauga and church attendance is a priority. And every one of us in this assembly is on trial. Uh, every test, whether a situation is lucrative or non-lucrative, whether a situation involves sicknesses or some other negative circumstance, every circumstance and situation is intended to work for good to them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. If you're non-elect, this does not apply to you. If you're non-elect, then stay home and avoid church and avoid the ministry and avoid all these things that the Lord has given us. But Peter said, he said, the Lord has given to us according, uh, according to his divine power all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. See, glory and virtue are things that we are striving to accomplish. Uh, Paul made a statement in, in Romans. I'm coming back to Peter here, but in, in Romans, his letter to the church at Rome, in the second chapter, he makes a statement like this. As soon as I can find it here, he says in Romans chapter 2 and verse 7, he said to them, that is to us, he says to them, uh, back up a little, he says, uh, verse 5, but after thy hardness and impenitent heart, you can treasure up a, a for thyself wrath against the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God. In other words, you can be a child of God that's building up wrath against you by violating and not conforming to the principles of God's word. I'm not concerned how much scripture you can quote or how well you're versed in, in speaking out or reciting uh, verses from the Bible or knowing the doctrines. Obedience is priority. Obedience and following the protocol that God demands for his people is priority. And so Paul right there, he says, he says, who will render for sex to every man and woman that is, according to their deeds, whatever you do. Someone says, well, what am I doing? I'm coming to church in futility. No, when you come to church and you attend the service, you are nailing yourself in to the work of God. When you give an offering sacrificially, you're putting yourself into the work of God. You're nailing yourself into the work of God. You're fortifying your position. As a matter of fact, when you obey the word of God, the written word of God, 
the living word of God will start to be developed in your life. Jesus will be developed by your obedience to his written word. And no matter how you speak in tongues and whatever you do, shake like a leaf. If you're not conforming to the principles that God has laid down, you will not develop the true nature of Jesus. And so, again I say, if you're non-elect, you can ignore what I just said. Uh, and it goes on here, Paul says, to them who by patient, patient continuance in well-doing, church attendance, I'm kneeling this morning, patient, I'm there, I've been in Mississauga, I've been in Canada for 40 years, and in 40 years, I have not missed being home because I've got a fever or got allergies or something. I've not missed more than four services that I can remember. And two of those services I remember clearly was when I had an injury that immobilized me and I could not attend church. But you know, the Saturday night, I was miserable, but the Sunday I preached to the church from my bed at home. I was in church. Not physically, but I was there on my phone preaching out to the congregation. And I came hobbled down with, a, with, a, with a, my foot in a cast. I think it was about 30 days. And I did not miss a service. I put a bar stool at the pulpit and that's where I preached. And those of you that were in church during that period of time would remember that. Now, why am I saying that? Because I set a good example. I'm not a leader that tells you do what I say and don't do as I do. No, I lead by example. And so I've set an example of a flawless, almost flawless church attendance. And so I am seeking uh, for some benefits, spiritual benefits from God and accomplishment from God but it needs a patient continuance. I start today. I'll continue tomorrow. I started many years ago, 40 years ago, and I've continued nonstop. And if God gives me another 40 years, I will continue by God's help nonstop. And Paul says to them who by patient continuance, in not just beating the air, but in well-doing. I believe in supporting the church financially. I've never failed. As a matter of fact, when the scripture demands 10% of my earnings, I give 20. Why are you doing this? Because I'm nailing myself into the church. I'm hoping to get the accomplishment that I'm striving to. I have a goal, and this goal demands the sacrifices, and I'm putting in more than is necessary. Uh, but God will. That's why I can backslide easily. That's why I can get discouraged easily. And so it goes on here to them who by patient continuance and well-doing. I'm seeking for glory. What glory? Glory of men? No, no, no. The glory that comes with a resurrected body. The glory that comes with being righteous and godly. The glory of God in my life. I'm seeking for glory. I'm seeking for honor. Honor from whom? Mankind? No, I don't really care what mankind say, even though I care. If I'm shining light, I would like someone to see the light. But people might not like my light and might criticize me, call me a false prophet, 
or a false preacher or something like that. I've been called all kinds of names, but I'm not the first. There are men that were actually killed because they were classified as false prophets. And they were really men of God. And so I'm seeking for glory and honor that comes from God and immortality. It means I don't have immortality. My soul is not immortal. At this point in time, I'm seeking immortality. And then it says here, Paul says, an eternal life. And these are things I'm seeking. So back here in Peter, uh, before time really runs out on us, uh, Peter says, he says, um, we're in verse 3, the latter part. Uh, he had, uh, to the knowledge of him that has called us to glory. That's what we must end up as. Receiving glory from God. And virtue. Now I like that word virtue. And as I was pondering these areas, uh, virtue is moral excellence and righteousness according to the dictionary's meaning. Uh, moral excellence and righteousness. Uh, for a woman that's virtuous, it talks about a woman that is virtuous is a woman that's chaste. And it talks about a, a, a degree of chastity. Uh, but for every one of us, we need to be virtuous also. And so Paul, Peter is writing here, he says, Wherefore are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, we have got a lot that we was promised to us. And when you understand in your spirit and heart what God has promised to us, faithfulness would be a result. You cannot afford to lose what you were promised. But you see, some of us understand this in our heads. But those of us that understand it in our hearts will make an effort uh, to pursue this uh, physically and spiritually. And Peter went on, he says, great and precious promises that by these we might be partakers of the very nature of Christ, the nature of God, the divine nature. That's when this mortal shall put on divinity, this mortal shall put on immortality, and this corruption shall put on incorruption. I've got a beautiful lesson concerning the resurrection and attitude to the resurrection. Uh, some other day we'll do that. But today uh, we're looking at Paul, uh, Peter writing here about the divine nature having escaped. Uh, I'm going to get, I'm hoping to get to that place where my mortal shall put on immortality that I could be bestowed upon by the very divine nature. It means the divine nature of God. And he says, what do I do? Having escaped, now I cannot re re remain in my old state and expect to accomplish this. Having escaped uh, the corruption that is in the world through my fallen nature, this fallen lust nature that's working in me. God must help me to come to the place that within me I am helped by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. I bring my body in submission to God. I bring my desires in submission to God. Uh, for me to accomplish what I'm seeking for, it demands a sacrifice. Nothing that is accomplished easily is worth the while if there's no sacrifice made to it. Someone says, well, Jesus paid it. Well, 
when the resurrection comes and God will reward his people, he wouldn't look to Jesus and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant for Desmond Singh. No, he'd look at me. And if I've done right, he'll say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But if I've done evil, I'll be put aside with, the, with those that will receive the judgments of God. And so rewards are given to those according to our work, like we just read in, in Romans, the second chapter. And this is important because when Paul wrote to the church at Colossae, he said, set your affection on things above. Now, we have to escape from this ungodly world. We have to escape. Uh, don't let the world play on our lust and our desires and all of that. We have to ask God to help us. And so here in, on, on this Sunday morning, it says um, we need having escaped from the corruption that's in the world uh, through our carnal lust. He says, besides this, now I've escaped the world and I've got faith in God. I believe in Jesus. I thank God for Gospel Assembly Church. I thank God I'm in the body of Christ. Oh, there are so many good things to thank God for. Well, um, my faith is in God. I believe I'm in the body of Christ. I believe this is where God is working. It is my desire to, to be a part of this and to stay on with this. Well, don't just put it there and say, I'm glad. There is a demand if you're to have faith in God and your faith, your belief in God is to be anything worth the while, you must do something with your faith. See, James, uh, uh, James wrote and he says, show me your uh, faith, uh, show me your faith uh, without your works. He says, and I'll show you my faith by my works. I'm, I'm just quoting James off the top of my head. Let me find that here. In uh, James, the uh, second chapter, he says, um, uh, he says, uh, I'm trying to find the verse of scripture here. He says, Yeah, a man will say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Verse 18, second chapter of James. He says, Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. He says, Well, I believe in God. I have faith. You know, like, <laughs> praise the Lord. Jesus is Lord. Well, Jesus did not demand of his disciples the price of discipleship if it was not necessary. He that, made, he that became the, the most impressive form of disciple that left his father's comfort and the position that he held with the father that left that and came to the earth. This Jesus that made the greatest sacrifice and was obedient to his father has set the example for you and I to fulfill. Now, if he made the sacrifice, the creator of the universe made the sacrifice, became a human, became a servant, and died on the cross, what makes you and I think we will get off by treating God so lightly and our dedication so lightly? We need to sacrifice also. And that is why Jesus said, he says, if any man will be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. And it takes denial of self and sacrifice in order to please God. It is absolutely necessary. And Peter went on here, and Peter, uh, he went on here, he says, and besides this, you got faith? Well, wonderful. 
It's wonderful that you have faith. He says, well, besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. He says, add to your faith virtue. In other words, if your faith is to survive, it must have virtue. In other words, don't make your faith something just to talk about. Put some virtue in it. When your neighbors look at you, they must see your faith manifested because it becomes virtuous. It becomes an, a real a moral excellence is seen. It becomes useful. It becomes beneficial to those around you. Your faith must become virtuous. Show me your faith by talk and I will show you my faith by walk. That's what it's all about. So if you have a faith, I believe in Trinity God and I believe in the, in the kingdom. I believe all these doctrines, brothers, saying if you only know my knowledge of revelation is so tremendous. <clears throat> my friend, your knowledge amounts to nothing if your faith is not manifested in a lifestyle to correspond with what you're talking about. Let's put our faith in operation and let it work for us. And so <clears throat> Peter said, add to your faith virtue. In other words, make your faith virtuous. Uh, hold your finger in Second Peter and turn back with me here to Proverbs, the 30, 31st chapter, I think I want to Proverbs, where he talks about a virtuous woman. And I just want a few verses here because Solomon is writing about what a virtuous woman is. And this is a woman. But every child of God should think of virtue, something that should be pursued. And so <clears throat> if you think about yourself as being a woman, be a virtuous woman. <clears throat> I know, I know there are certain pros and cons about a woman's place in the church and how her place is in the home. But we're not dealing with that today. I'm just talking about a wonderful woman that is virtuous. And Solomon writes in verse 10 of chapter 31, he says, who can find a virtuous woman? For her price is far above rubies. The heart of a husband does trust in her so that he shall have no need of spoil. Verse 13, she seeketh wool. She's not just a lazy person staying home. You see, during this time of pandemic, it was a good time for wives to become more efficient in the house. You didn't have to go to a job somewhere. You learn to cook. If you did not learn to cook, you wasted the whole experience of staying home. Well, brother is saying, I'm going to give my husband pork and beans and macaroni. Well, my dear, you need some older sisters that know how to do to cook to teach you some cooking practices. We've got some sisters in this church that can do that. Sister Chandri sitting to my right here, she can teach you how to cook. She can teach you how to sew. She can teach you how to clean house. Pastor's wife. See, in Canada, we don't have a lot of luxury like people think we do. A pastor here trusts God every day. They, the church here, we pay our bills on a monthly basis. Can barely make it, but we have made it. Not bunks a check in the past uh, 40 years. God has been good to us. We don't have a million dollars, but we do support some missions uh, ever so often, every month. We don't have a lot of luxury. Uh, that we can boast in. I just can't 
take a credit card and go buy anything. No, I have to think seriously uh, what we spend our money on. But we've got some people in this church that I can point to. And this morning I'm telling you about Sister Chandry. She can cook. She can keep house. Uh, I told my daughter this morning, Nadine, I said, I don't know what we'll do if she's not around. Because she has become that virtuous woman in the house. And that is something remarkable that every sister in our assembly and around the world should strive to become virtuous. And Solomon went on here, not to say stay the whole time on this. He said in verse, um, in verse uh, 13, he says, um, She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. Uh, she is like a merchant's ship. And I want to skip some of these. Verse 17. She girded her loins with strength. She's not whiny about anything. Oh my, a, a, a trial might come. A testing would come. And I know many a time Sister Chandri is not well. But when she hears someone else is sick, she suddenly gets the strength to comfort them. I think that's a virtue. A virtuous woman. Uh, she's not concerned, well, I'm not feeling good. No, whether she feels good or not. If you're dying in the hospital or something is wrong with you, she's the first one there. And this, this is what Solomon is talking about. She, she guarded her loins with strength and guarded her arms and strengthened her arms. Uh, verse 20, she stretched forth her hands to the poor. Yea, she stretched forth her hands to the needy. When you've got a woman like that around, or you've got some brother like that around, you've got a good one in the assembly. In verse 25, strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in the time to come. When you look at her, you don't see weakness and problems. You see strength and honor. I'm not making up stuff here today because I want Sister Chandra to cook a nice meal for me. No, I don't even have to ask for that. It is done without me even desiring it. It says in verse 26, she opened her mouth with wisdom and her tongue is the law, is the law of kindness. Now this part I'm not so completely sure because she could be very blunt. Uh, she could be very blunt. She is a straight shooter. If you're a hypocrite, she says, well, you need to stop being a hypocrite. So it is truth. And it will give you strength. It says here in verse 27, She looketh well uh, to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. That's what we did this morning. Her husband and her children. Her husband also, and he praised her. Isn't that wonderful? Verse 30, Favor is deceitful, my friend, and beauty is vain. When you're looking to get married, search someone for one that is virtuous. He says, but a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Back to Peter before time runs out on us in 2 Peter. So Peter said, you got faith? Then make your faith virtuous. He says, and then you can add a few other things. He says, and to virtue, you add faith, virtue, number one. Number two, knowledge. Number three, temperance. 
It is sad when a pastor gets up and he preaches a lesson 20 times in the same church and then he asks a question and nobody has an answer. But you know what? You come to the place, you like people to get knowledge. Knowledge in the work of God. Knowledge in the word of God. Then you might get all the accumulated academic knowledge. It's good. Might be necessary for your job. But what is necessary for your price of discipleship is knowledge of the Word of God. And we are pleased to have tapes and messages that could be recorded. And now we are on Facebook and it's there. You know, if I heard that there is only one copy of the Bible left. And it's in the middle of danger tongue. I will do my best. To sneak into that town and get the Bible. Because I love the word of God. And this is the attitude we must have. And so knowledge. And to knowledge temperance. And the scripture tells us temperance in all things. These are the steps to the divine nature. You want to be in the bride of Christ. Oh we like to sing. Oh, Lord, I want to be in the first. Well, if you want to be in the first resurrection, follow the principles. Get yourself to church, for starters. A genuine church. A church where ministry is called of God. Then submit yourself. Don't go there to teach the teacher. Go there to be taught and submiss submit yourself to the ordinances of God that exist in that assembly. And then it says, uh, let's move on here. He says, and to knowledge temperance in all things. And to temperance patience. Tribulation works patience. You've got to be patient with individuals. You've got to be, I think, sometimes I think, I'm the most, the most patient person in Mississauga. That's all I think. And if you can make me impatient, you're climbing up. You're really a, a, a person that's full of the devil or something like that. Or you did not listen. Because I'd speak once, I'd speak twice, I'll speak three times, and by then you should catch it. All right? But a pastor has many challenges in life. And I choose my attitude. God has helped me to come to the place that I can choose my attitude for that time in most cases. I choose when I want to be angry because it is necessary. I choose when I want not to be angry because it is necessary. I choose when I want to be happy and I choose when I want not to be happy. And so you come to the place you need temperance in all things. And then Paul went, uh, Peter went on, he says, unto temperance, patience, unto patience, a life that manifests godliness. Godliness is on a minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, and year by year. Continuous, patient continuance and well-doing. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be in the first resurrection. I want when I see him, I'll become like him. Well, here are, uh, here are seven steps to the divine nature. Seven steps to the divine nature. And it says here, 
And to brotherly kind unto godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. And charity here does not mean you give five dollars to the poor. Charity means that you've got that heart that God has touched that's beyond the gifts. Because when Paul dealt with the gifts in the 12th chapter of uh, uh, 1 Corinthians, by the time you got to the 13th chapter, he says, and greater than the gifts, I'll show you a more excellent way. And it was charity. And when he speaks of charity, and I'd like to conclude with that here today, uh, I'll turn to 1 Corinthians uh, 13 and just a little few statements and then we bring it to an end. Let me see, I've got um, five, four minutes to go. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul says <clears throat> in chapter 12 and verse 31, he says, covet earnestly the best gifts. And yet show I unto you a more excellent way. He says, he name all these gifts and the operation of the gifts, miracles and word of knowledge and word of wisdom and all of this in chapter 12. And then he comes in chapter 13 and he says, I'll show you a more excellent way. He says, though I speak with the tongue of men and of angels, and I don't have the charity that Jesus manifested. Not the charity to give some money. A lot of people can do that. That's not what the Bible is talking about. It's talking about that God-given uh, sense of concern and goodness that lies in your heart that you can reach out to individuals and be there for them. It's the love of God in your life. The love of God manifested. The grace that God has given you, you're reflecting it. Uh, Paul says, do I, he says, do I speak with the tongue of men and of angels? Is it possible to do all of that and not have charity? If it was not, he would not be writing it. He says, if you don't have charity, speaking in tongues, you become a sounding brass. Yap, 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 yap. And a tinkling cymbal. It's like somebody blowing the horn on one key. Taking your trumpet and making a noise without distinction. He says, you're just an empty vessel that makes a lot of noise. Speaking in tongues. He goes on here, he says, verse 2, And though I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries, man, my knowledge is so good. And though I have all knowledge, and though I have faith now, so that I could remove mountains, what a tremendous faith you got, and have not charity, you're not even zero. You are zero. You're not even a little bug crawling around. If you have all the gifts and you don't have the fruit of the Spirit manifested in your life, which is called charity, which is an expression of all the fruit of the Spirit put in one word, you are nothing. And so today, let's examine ourselves. It goes on, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor. I thought that was charity. No, it's not. And though I give my body to be burned, I'm a martyr. It doesn't matter what you do. And um, have not charity, it is of no spiritual value to you. Works motivated for some human reason or some by some perverted ambition is not what God is talking about. Charity comes from within. When you receive the Holy Ghost in your life, 
you find the fruit of the Spirit. The attributes of Christ, that's I told you some time ago in Galatians 5, is manifested. That is charity. He says here, charity, what it does? Suffer long and is kind. Charity does not envy. Charity does not vaunt itself. Well, I want a title. I'm a big guy. Watch me. Respect me. Oh, it does not vaunt itself. It is not easily, it's not puffed up. You're so proud about what? Well, I am this wisest guy in this assembly here today. I testify, I preach, and all the saints were at the altar. Did that puff you up? Then I wonder what used you to preach. He says, it does not behave itself unseemly, seek it not her own, is not easily provoked, think it no evil. Rejoice it not in iniquity, that is false religion. He says, but rejoice it in the truth. It beareth all things, believe it all things, hope it all things, endure it all things. Read this when you get home, when you're sitting by yourself. Charity never fails, but whether there be prophecies, they will fail. Whether there be tongues, they will cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For now, in the human flesh, we know in part, we prophesy in part. But then when the kingdom is come, that which is in part will be done away. We see through a glass, verse 12, darkly right now, but then face to face. And verse 13, I'll close with this. He says, and now about it, three things. Faith, hope, and charity. See, faith is the belief. Hope is what we hope to get. Charity is the manifestation of faith. It's when you add virtue to your faith, it results in charity, a godly lifestyle that must be accompanied accompanying your belief and your concept in God. May God give us charity. May God give us his spirit. May God help us. May this lesson be a blessing to you. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for this time we can spend together in your house. Thank you, Father, for these seven steps to the divine nature that we can look at. But most of all, Father, we thank you for charity that can be manifested in our lives. Please, oh God, help us. Please give us genuinely your Holy Spirit that we might be submissive to your plans. In Jesus' name we ask for your blessing and hand upon our lives. Amen and amen and amen. And God bless you. See you again on Wednesday night.